Curiosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavallo. We've been talking about single rein riding. In the previous episodes, we described where it comes from and how it works. We've been looking at how it can be used to develop just incredibly nuanced body control in both the horse and the handler. The ask of the rein and the yes of the click work together to create wonderfully clear communication. We ended in the last episode by describing how the click begins to separate from the yes answer of the release of the rein so that it becomes a really powerful highlighter. So we'll pick up with that description as we continue on with this conversation. I'm not waiting to see that the horse has turned his head all the way around to the side. I'm looking for what is the smallest bit that I'm aware of that my horse is initiating the movement. So at the point where I can feel him begin to initiate the movement, I could say that's the give. So maybe it's he took a breath. What does it feel like when my horse takes a breath? I'm going to release and click him for beginning to initiate into movement because he began to take a breath, which shifted his balance. And I can grow the movement from there. Yeah. And you grow you so, grow it to a certain point? So I grow it in these nice, clean loops. So now I have this predictable, I slide down the lead, and this is whether I'm on the ground or I'm riding, it's the same, it works the same. I slide down the lead, I know my horse is going to respond because I have this clean, predictable loop. And so now, I release, just, I get just a nice soft little beginning to lift up into, let's say the right bend. It's a tiny movement. So I slide down, I know it's gonna happen because it's been happening. I have a clean loop, so I slide down and I release, but I don't click. And instead of clicking, I slide down again. And I ask again, and I know I'm going to get the response. And so my horse responds again because I've had this clean loop. So I slide down, my horse responds, I don't click. I slide down again, giving the same cue. My horse responds, and I'll probably click and treat on that, or maybe I don't click that one. But I slide down again, and this time, when I, as I slide down, because it, it's a bit like bending a coat hanger. When you start out bending a coat hanger, it's very, the coat hanger is very stiff. So it's hard to bend, it only bends a little bit. But the more you bend it, the softer it gets, the easier it gets. So it's like you're building up a little momentum. You slide down, the horse responds. You slide down again, the horse responds. You slide down a third time, the horse responds. But as he's responding, each response creates a subtle shift, a subtle growing in his balance 
So now as he responds, you feel the next layer in of his organizing his body into beautiful balance. And as you feel that next little nuanced piece coming online, as it were, you click and you reinforce. So now what you're doing is you're moving the click and it's beginning to act like a highlighter. So you're still saying, yes, you're right. By letting go, you slide down, the horse responds, you were right, I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna ask again, you were right, I'm gonna let go. I slide down again, oh, I just felt not only that softening in your jaw, but I felt a little change in your pole. Very cool. I'm gonna click and I'm gonna release and I'm gonna click. And that marks, that highlights that extra nuance. It's like it lights it up. It makes the uh, nervous system more aware of it. What just happened there? And so now the horse is paying more attention. What, what did I just do to get reinforced? And so he's beginning to learn how to build that chain and organize his body so that he can add nuance by nuance by nuance the organization of his body into this chain sequence that produces exquisite balance. So what if you don't get that nice shift? Would you click for just expanding the unit? Like getting, let's say three times in a row, you get you know a nice seal, but you don't yet feel this so just as a so like in, duration or expanding right. the so in the in the exercise, so you're looking at uh riding on a triangle, three foot three. I think that's one of the earlier yeah, it's so that's a groundwork yeah. exercise, but it's still we're in the one that you're in the DVD that you're looking at, riding on a triangle, we're using that exercise. And it's a counted exercise. So, you know, what I say to people is if you can count to three, you can teach lateral work because you're, you're sliding down and you're asking for a, a give and you release. You slide down and you, and you build that unit of one mm -hmm. and then you build a unit of two and then you build a unit of three mm -hmm. and then you build a unit of four. Um, so it's, it's softened to me, softened to me, softened to me. And then on the fourth one, you're looking for a deeper step of the hip. And it's going to be mm -hmm. there because if you're, you know, it's like if, if I don't know what I'm looking for and I don't know what it feels like, how am I ever going to click on at the right time? Right. So what I know is at the stage where we start into this countered exercise that when you ask for that first give, it's it changes the horse's balance. If you release and immediately slide down again, you're building on that change that you just mm. created. So you slide down, you release, and then you immediately pick up the rein, you slide down again, you're building on the change that you just created. And so if you click on that one, you're going to click in the ballpark, you're going to, you're going to be, the chances are really good that you're going to be right more than the possibility that you would be okay. wrong. And so you can 
at there are stages in this work where you will you can learn it as a counted exercise and by counting it means that you're not missing the those moments that you should have clicked but you didn't oh darn so you're you end up clicking for good moments you're not clicking for things that you shouldn't have clicked because oh well i hadn't clicked for a while so i thought i better click exactly <laughs> well i'm and, sure that happens <laughs> oh you know yes but you want to minimize yeah. that you want to minimize that i was just in really fascinating conversation with behavior analysts and dr clara st peter's and she was sent me this head spinner of an email on uh on some of the consequences of of not clicking when you should have versus clicking when shouldn't you shouldn't have and and i mean some of the research that's coming out in that field is like oh that's making my head hurt oh it's um, going to make me freak out again you know i'm not relaxing about that <laughs> I, i you know when i remember when that um what was it that Mary uh, came up with the, you know, how one click can muddy the desperation, yeah, how the just desperation one click can muddy everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, well, and that, that's why the clean loops and the doing it as a countered exercise and knowing that what you're doing, you know, initially the click and the release happen at the same time, but that's not forevermore because if it were, you'd never be able to get anything right, done. Right. You'd be, um, but that the click and the release begin to separate and they take on different informational qualities. So, you know, and, and that, that click really is marking, it's encapsulating a whole unit of behavior that you have built systematically so that the horse is not going into an extinction process where he's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you didn't click me. You've been clicking and releasing at the same time and now suddenly you're not clicking. What's the deal yeah. here? You're building this very systematically so that you are not getting into an extinction process. And you, if you did the exercises before, the ground exercises, you've kind of already showed this concept to your horse. Absolutely. Yeah, with the mats and with many exercises yep. on the ground yep. where they've learned, where you start with one click for every whatever, yep. and then right. you expand it. And so that concept yep. should already have been touched on with the horses. Yeah. Yep. And not only for the horse, but for yeah. you as the handler, yeah. you know, that you both learned you both learn the communication system that is embedded in the use of leads and reins and bodies. And that the rope handling, rein handling, is not about this piece of equipment. You know, the piece of equipment is like a, it's a transmitting line, but it's, the real signal, the, the, the information sits within your body. And, and so it's, it's linked to good liberty work. It's linked to good uh, groundwork, to good working hand with a lead, and it's connected to the riding. They're all interrelated, interconnected. They're all really part of 
one communication system. So you're not learning one thing for the Liberty work and something else for the groundwork and something else yet again for the riding. They're all part of the same communication system. One you get to sit down, the other you're standing right. up. So today we talked a little bit about the right hand or the left if you're going on the other side, but the the one hand going down the rain, it's so single rain riding is not single hand riding. Right. So what do you do with your other hand or should we keep that for the next episode? Well, one of the things that I would say is if people are interested, the, re the resources for seeing what it looks like. But I want to tease them enough so that they have a little bit of a picture in their mind and they want to go there. <laughs> I know. And hopefully we've done a lot of that. Well, we've done some. What I don't want is for people to think that because they've heard it described, they can do it. They know what it yeah, looks like. And so, because I see that, you know, I see that a lot with the, um, you know, in some of the basics of just simple targeting where people have heard descriptions or they've seen something on YouTube and their familiar body patterns take over. Mm -hmm. And what they are, what they are doing is not a match with what they could be doing if they had a little bit of more visual guidance. Okay, so then let's just uh, go back to more of the overview. So we've one. So one of the things you said was that one of the benefits was the safety. Yeah. Would you say it's easier to build in small, to learn in smaller loops? Because you have, you start with one so rain, then, then you involve right. the body. Well, you know, it's not, you start with one rain, then you involve, you, uh, beginning with one rain involves the body. Mm -hmm. So I became interested in the single rain riding for a number of reasons. So I was learning, I had the very great privilege of being able to learn from Bettina Drummond, who was one of Nuno Olivero's principal students. And I was just absolutely, uh, you know, what I saw in terms of the balance and the beauty of these horses was just uh, absolutely captivating. And particularly when I started to try and figure out the, you know, beginning, the, you know, just around the edges of what I was beginning to understand, it just made so much sense and created really powerful, positive changes. But the classical dressage is really hard to understand. There isn't a really particularly at that time, there wasn't a good teaching structure for it. Mm. It was always taught from the master to the apprentice. You learned it by sitting on trained, highly trained horses. It was the, you know, the art uh, that belonged to the king and his court. It was never, it was never for the masses. You know, you read some of the dressage books and they will put you to sleep faster than you know, any sleeping pill that you want to 
you want to take. You've, I'm sure, read some, you know, and, and they're just can be staggeringly o oblique in terms of, oh, this, this is really clear <laughs> as mud. So, you know, trying to figure out the, the classical work is not an, an easy proposition. And it's certainly, I think, getting more accessible as time goes on, but it wasn't at that point. And, and I was looking at, I was looking at what was out there. And prior to my exposure to uh, this particular type of writing, I had not seen any dressage. Dressage was not that common yet in North America. And the warm bloods were, there was that, it was that period where uh, the warm bloods were really just beginning to be imported into the United States. And the uh, horse magazines that were the main horse magazines at that time were going on and on and on about these amazing horses from Europe, these amazing warm bloods, and, and they're just so... Uh, staggeringly beautiful and they're just so amazing and uh, they can jump and they can you know dressage and they are so so we were at the build-up on warm bloods was intense and two weeks after I my first exposure to the classical work I went to the North American dressage championships and and so I saw for the first time I saw warm bloods and and I saw the top riders at that time. And and I can talk about it because this was decades ago. So I'm not criticizing current riders, current work. Dressage has changed dramatically over the decades because you know we've we've gone to Europe and we've spent a lot of time collectively in the horse community learning and so on. So I'm not anything that I say is related to what there was at that time. And when I watched the horses at the North American Dressage Championships, I saw stiff, ugly movement. There was nothing there that made my heart sing. There was nothing there that drew me into saying, oh, this is what I want to learn. And yet, when I'd seen these other horses, it was, you can't show me this and not teach it to. So I was looking at, I, I was looking at horses. You know, I was, I was beginning to do some teaching. I was looking at horses. I was called in to help. I was looking at horses in various boarding barns. I was going to clinics. I was going out to watch competitions in my area. You know, I was looking at horses. And for the most part, I didn't see anything I liked except for what I saw at Bettina's barn. Until I saw John Lyon's stallion, Zip. And Zip's top line, even though he's a Western mm -hmm. horse, his top line was resembled the top line of Patina's horses closer than any horse I was seeing at that time. And that intrigued me. And so what I 
And there were a lot of things that intrigued me. And I have to say, this is pre-clicker training. I had not encountered clicker training yet. So what I would have thought of all of this if I'd already known about clicker training, I don't know, but I hadn't. It's pre-clicker training. And John Lyons is not a clicker trainer. He's not a positive reinforcement trainer by any stretch of the imagination. But he was very good at splitting. He was very good at splitting and you know, breaking lessons down into very small component pieces. He was definitely a constructional trainer using procedures that were negative reinforcement. Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, he was definitely a constructional mm -hmm. trainer. You know, he, he used building mm -hmm. blocks and he used them very skillfully. Right. So if we look at it from that perspective, it's like, hmm, interesting. But what I found is that when I started exploring the single rein riding, was it gave me a way of teasing apart what I was learning in terms of the classical work. So it gave me a way of teasing that apart and understanding it more clearly for myself, which meant that I could teach it more clearly for my horses and I could teach it more clearly to my clients. And one of the things that I just, we just used to have such a giggle over was particularly in that, those early days where we were just learning what you could do with positive reinforcement, what you could do with all of the teaching strategies that were emerging. We used to giggle at how easy it was to pop out lateral work. You know, we'd be walking around a circle and, oh, look, my horse is going sideways. It just popped out. And when I think about how it was taught, how the way I originally was taught how to get a horse to go sideways, it didn't just pop out <laughs> by any, and you've seen that, I'm sure, when you've been watching the horses being trained in various dressage barns that you've visited over the years. It's not popping out. It's being compelled. Mm -hmm. But popping is not a word. And giggling is not usually associated mm -hmm. with it. So what the single rein riding did, when you combine it with the power, the clarity, the teaching clarity, and the structure, and the concepts, and the understanding of that comes through even a, you know the outer investigation of behavioral analysis and then when you combine it with that passion for balance and you combine it with uh, classical dressage what you get is just incredibly powerful teaching structure that begins with safety mm -hmm. and ends in the perfection of performance and it's not two different things. It's all one and the same thing. It's just the perfection of it leads to performance excellence. So you can take it as far as you want to go. And it is all part of a continuum where as the horse's balance evolves and develops, you receive him. And that's a really important word. You receive him into the outside ring and you are then at that point on two independent reins that have this incredibly rich 
ability to communicate clearly to the horse. And at any point, you can move back and forth along the continuum. So in a given ride, I might get on and start out on a single rein, on the riding on a triangle. And then as my horse warms up and comes into balance, I would organize the outside rein, I would ride for whatever, you know, through whatever series of exercises on the two independent reins that people are familiar with. And then I might feel, oh, there's, you know, something it's getting a little out of balance here. There's something not that's that's not quite right, and it's and it's a bend problem. And so I would slide back into the single rein part of the continuum, work on that bend issue until it was resolved, and then receive him back into the outside rein, and off we go again through another round of, of working on the two reins. And so I would be going back and forth along the continuum, not thinking of it as two different systems, but knowing it as different parts of a united whole. Right. And, and it is very different from how we are normally taught. If we, as we were learning, if we were learning in barns where this is how people rode, we would think of it as a very sensible, easy to learn, easy to do way of riding. Because we, for the most part, are riding in barns where nobody is modeling this for us, it can feel very mysterious because we're not surrounded by good visual pictures of it. So, you know, it's not that this is something off the charts, mysterious, totally different. It's just that it's not with, it's not the norm within most barns. Mm-hmm. So if people wanted to have all the visual and the resource, your DVDs. So the, the place that people start, so you so the way that you access this yeah. material. So there's the online course is the foundational course. So it takes you through all the beginning you know, laying the six foundation lessons, et cetera, et cetera, learning about cues, learning about loopy training, all of those concepts. And then the last three units are an introduction to the single rein ride. So that's that's one entry point. Another entry point, and they're all designed to complement one another. So you know, it depends a little bit on which one do you start with. depends a little bit on what how you like to, do you like to read, do you like to, watch DVDs, how are you going to receive the information most effectively, what's your budget. So you would start out with a step-by-step guide and pictures that lays the foundation with the groundwork and, and an under, same, you know, that same sort of background. Here's the roadmap and again a, a little introduction to the writing. And then you would move into second book, the, the click that teaches writing with the clicker. And it is a very in-depth, very thorough discussion, description of the single rein riding. And it's a very good resource to have in terms of understanding the whole arc of where you're going with this work. And to complement that, you would then look at the DVD series. So in the first four lessons within the DVD series, 
look at the really the foundation lessons. Those you know that let's get you started, started well. And then I move into the groundwork, into more nuance of the groundwork, where we begin to look at the development of lateral flexions. Right. What they are, why you want them, how you teach them. And and that sits in the next that next cluster of DVDs. And then you move into the riding DVDs. And the riding, you know, the single ring riding is, we didn't really even talk about lateral flexions. That's, we can save that for another time. But the single ring riding is built around the ability to bend a horse. Mm -hmm. So you, straightness is the perfection of left and right. And that, and that safety comes from being able to bend the horse to the left and the right. But you can bend a horse and be totally out of balance. You can feel like you're in a canoe without a paddle going down a, a, a current that you don't want to be in. So it's can you organize the whole drill team of hips and shoulders and, and head and neck? Can you get it all organized into a beautifully balanced lateral flexion? You begin to explore that first on the ground, and then you move into the ridden work. And so the DVDs that cover that are capture the saddle. And people will often say, oh, but I can already get on my horse. It's like, that's not really what the mounting block lesson is about. Mounting block lesson is like your final safety check to make sure that you are connected via the rein and your body to the horse's hindquarters. So how many DVDs total do you have? 20 something? I have, no, there are 18. 18 and, and the riding yeah. probably starts around so 11 maybe. Is, is yeah. 11. And then, so it starts with the capture of the saddle. It moves into riding on a, riding triangle, on a triangle, Helen house horse. And then Helen house horse looks at the single rein riding, what the, the takes the horse out of it, out of it. So it's that handling skill, but we don't have the horse there. So it's easier to see what's going on with the right. rider. Then there's the one that is uh, the micro riding, which takes you into some really fun nuance in terms of communicating through your body. And then there's whoa, stop which is, you know, both how do you, how do you stop a horse and then how do you get the horse mm. to go? And then there's hip, shoulder, shoulder, which takes you into that shift from, uh, that takes you into performance level training. So there's, there, there are a lot of really good resources uh, for people who want to explore this type of riding. And then there are, you know, the, as well, the clinics. So built into all of the clinics are all of the concepts. I think the DVDs, what I like is that it's hard in a clinic when two days or four days to go as deep into the single rein riding or the ones I've attended maybe. Correct. Whereas here you have hours and hours and hours to really go deep and to see live lessons. Right. So like you say, they complement each other. Right. The advantage of the DVD series is you can create your own ideal world in that you can say, I am going to go through this systematically. Mm -hmm. So I am going to start at the, you know, those early lessons of having my horse touch a target. And I'm going to go systematically through all of the pieces so that by the time I'm getting to the mounting block, by the time I'm getting on, all of those component skills 
are beautifully in place so that each next lesson is easy and smooth. And for sure, probably you go through and you go back. Absolutely. And then, yeah, because you don't, you don't know when you, the first time you see there's a ground exercise you call three flip three. Yeah. Well, okay. But when you look at the single rain writing later, you understand how sneaky you were to build it this way that, you know, we're, this was, this was well taught out. It's, uh, you know, you, you go through those yeah. first lessons and then, I mean, you could, I suppose, go straight to the writing, but you would be missing a lot. Right. You will for sure want to go back to the, the beginning of it because it's all well thought out as a progression. What you see in the, in the capture the saddle, you see a horse who's very wiggly mm -hmm. through that lesson because the component pieces were not well exactly. established. Mm -hmm. And so that lesson was wigglier mm -hmm. than it needed to be. So in a sense, you know, it's a good lesson in terms of our learning from it and seeing what it looks like and seeing how you, you know, ride through it. And because the horse was so wiggly, you see it's clear, it's easier to see some mm. things. But from the perspective of the ideal world, I would have liked to put in more prep. Yeah. And that's really what we get to with, you know, with all of this, where you can say, because the first time you go through any of these lessons, there are going to be big chunks that you miss, skim mm -hmm. over, that you mm -hmm. miss, you didn't see the significant. How could you possibly see the connection into riding when you haven't, you know, you haven't been right. there yet? So you go through it and then you go back through it again and you go, oh, look, that's... That's why she you know, put that there. <laughs> yeah, or, or now I see mm -hmm. that when I'm working on uh, mat work and I release my horse into to the mat, uh, I release my horse into a halt. Now I'm beginning to get what that means because when I'm under saddle, it takes on a, a much deeper meaning when I'm riding, that releasing them into movement, releasing them into a halt, that, that, takes, on, that takes on a much deeper significance. And because I went back and was playing with the, that lesson, it's refreshed it for me and I now get it at a deeper level. So there's always that going you know, back to the early, looping back to those earlier lessons really helps you to see things on a much deeper mm -hmm. level. And, and that's the fun of them. And so what the progression through the DVDs gives you is it gives you those building blocks so that when you do start out under saddle, you're starting out with a horse that is well prepared, that the repertoire the building blocks are in place both for you and for your horse. And so it can be much more smooth sailing and just a very really satisfying experience. Really satisfying experience. And if you find that, oh well, this is get this feels a little hard, then you know, oh, what am I missing? Mm -hmm. You get off and you you have that cup of tea and you figure out. What do I need to add in to make it clearer? Great resource. Yeah. All right. 
great conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting to talk about this for a little while now because I know people yeah. are wondering about this. Well, we'll come back. I'll have more uh, more questions to ask you as I'm going through those yes. DVDs. Yes. Good. All right. All right. Very good. Well, many thanks. Have a good week. Yep, you too. So hopefully you're curious about the single rain riding. To learn more, go to my website, theclickercenter.com. There you'll find all the resources that we've been talking about. The online course, the books, the DVDs, and there's also my blog, theclickercenterblog.com. I know many people no longer have DVD players in their computers. The solution is to buy a separate DVD player. You can get really inexpensive but perfectly adequate players on the internet. The single rein riding is definitely worth exploring. For many riders, it can at first be a whole exposer. <laughs> that sounds maybe not like the most desirable things. It reveals all the places where you and your horse are not really connected. You're filling in for the horse with the outside rain, but the horse is not learning how to manage his own balance. Take away the, in quotes, training wheels of the two reins and your horse's balance falls apart. So when you go down to the single rein riding, at first everything can feel very wobbly and very out of control. You think, I used to be able to steer. You know, I used to be able to go from point A to point B, and now we just wiggle all over the place. And so it can be really a challenge not to think, you know, why should I do this when I can, in quotes, fix everything by just adding the outside rain back into the mix? And the answer is that by tolerating this initial stage where the holes are revealed, that means that you can now truly fill them in. And the filling in occurs through the teaching process of the single rein riding, of riding on a triangle. So I'll leave it to you to explore the riding further, and I'll wish you many, many great rides. Stay safe and have fun with your horses.